Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey everybody, if you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and check it out today. Hello! And welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we welcome back Dr. Brian Mann to talk about some confusion that he's seeing in the field today. Uh, and this field really revolves around the idea of periodization being dead. This leads Doc right into a discussion and a breakdown of actually what periodization is and how the confusion is coming from what the vernacular people are using today stems from. Uh, and this main confusion really is the differences between periodization and programming, you know, and Doc really dives in deep and breaks down where these ideas came from and what they are and where we actually see him every day as a coach, you know, and then he gets into the role of all the trailblazers before us and the, the scientists and the coaches who have done things before us and how, how what they have done and what they have written uh, needs to drive more of the learning and investigation into these topics as opposed to what we see every day on Twitter. You know, guys, this this really is an awesome talk. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Doc, 
Thanks for being back, babe. Man, I appreciate it, Jay. It's good to see you again. Oh. Even uh, we're both crippled, so it's uh, we're on even even playing fields. We got to go play basketball right now and see how this goes. Oh boy! So yeah, like fucking it, both of us sitting from a chair. Yeah, like like it could have been worse. Well, it will be. <laughs> it could always be worse. I guess so. But I know that you're fired up about something, so let's get right into it, man. What's what's got Doctor Man ready to rip at it here? You know, it, it's really, Jay, what it is, is that I was really angry at first. And thankfully, my daughter was born. I kind of stepped back and calmed down and, and thought about things. Or I, I'm just so freaking tired from sleeping three hours a night that maybe I'm just not as fired up. But we've got some issues with vernacular in our profession. And you talk about it with plyometrics. And this is just another area. Uh, you know, our profession, we got to stop and think, man. The NSCA wasn't formed until 1978. And... The first JSCR didn't come out, I don't think, until the mid-'80s, and I could be wrong there. Uh, and this journal was trying to conditioning research. We're a very, very young field, and everybody, um, unfortunately, and especially whenever we look at things with countries of origin and, and things like that, people call different things by different names, right? Uh, looking at the jumps right now, uh, time to take off and contraction time. They're the exact same thing on a counter movement jump. It's just over in the, you know, you, you cross the, that one big line that divides everything. On one half, they say one thing, and on the other half, they say another. Uh, what is it called whenever we're broken into hemispheres, whatever that line is? I, I don't remember. Some sort of meridian. Prime meridian? Yes. I don't know. I think that, that might be it. You can see the lack of uh, sleep kicking in right there. But, uh, you know, there's just all these different issues with it. And like we've talked about with plyometrics, well, there there is things that are out there. It's not just up for every person to uh, think about and, and, and go on their own and make up their own stuff, man. If we actually look, you know, periodization is brought back to two people. You know, they, it's credited towards Matveyev and Tudor Bampa. And Tudor Bampa supposedly coined the term. And it, he said that it infers to two important aspects of planning and programming. The plan is the periodization, which simply means that you divide the year into smaller training phases, making it easier to manage the training and peaking process. That's all periodization is. So it doesn't it's not about sets, reps, in, you know, intensities, uh, et cetera. It's, hey, did you break things up? Is all year the same or do you have a. Preseason, off-season, in-season. Do you have a GPP phase versus an, a, a SPP phase, general physical preparedness versus specific physical preparedness? Do we break these things into these similar things? If you do, guess what? You use periodization. If you don't, then you're right. There is no periodization. If you don't have any difference in your program throughout the year, you have no periodization. If everything is just thrown completely at random, you have no periodization. You know, and uh, that's something that we got to step back and, and think about. Now, some people have said that the, there is no difference between programming and periodization. It's all semantics. Well, to me, that's like saying a love tap from my grandmother and uppercut from Mike Tyson are the same thing. Both people made contact with my face, but the results are going to be very, very different. And let's even go further. I'm talking about like mid-80s Tyson with Cus de Amato whenever he was a beast. I still wouldn't want to get hit by Mike Tyson, but that dude was a freaking straight-up killer, you know, before Don King got a hold of him and ruined him. But that that's for a whole other podcast, you know. So, uh, 
athletes we've ruined, I guess. And that would be one hell of a a podcast that I could probably speak on for two hours about. But, you know, it's those sorts of things, you know, um, look at Yesus, man. Look what he talks about. GPP versus SPP. um, You know, and we also got to look at things, too. And we got to remember that context is king. Right. Context is king for everything. If I took look at a um, a uh, a program for an Olympic weightlifter. And I look and I see how its intensity, if you look at Matveyev's thing, moves up. That's going to be different than intensity for a sprinter, a basketball player, etc. Because the intensity doesn't necessarily mean percentage of one RM for them. It could mean specificity. And, you know, I've talked about that with Anatoly before. I've talked about that with Doc that, you know, sometimes I think that we miss out on context. We read something uh, and we're only looking at it from our lens and we're not able to step back and, and apply it. And God knows I'm horrible about that, especially whenever I was a strength coach. You know, it was everything was powerlifting, powerlifting, powerlifting. Let's go make it into our athletes. But, you know, we've got to step back and look at things. Now, there's multiple different what we call periodization models. I don't know if that's the actual correct term. And I think that goes back to being a young, young field. Uh you know, if periodization is just simply the plan, what's the different, you know, but if we look at the way that that plan is put into place, well, let's, let's look at, let's just look at a few, you know, little block training, you know, from Assurin, you know, we've got your accumulation, your uh, transmutation and realization phases, right? Uh, and those are just going through different periods within a phase and the exercises change depending upon what the goal is and what the time of year is. There's a lot more specificity as we move in and a lot of more shortness within the cycles as we move into the end season during the competition phases as there are in the off season. You know, uh, it, let's look at um, uh, Bonderchuk's periodization, right? His models, which it, at face value, you look at them and you're like, there's nothing here. The hell, this makes absolutely no sense. This guy just changes things randomly. Well, look at how he does his programming, and you'll see that the exercises that he selects for that individual as they're going into the competition season for the meets that matter, they're all the exercises that have elicited the greatest response in the throw for that individual. So, you know, it looks like there's nothing there, but it, there is a plan. And whenever it's the general phase, the GPP, the early off season, what's he doing, dude? Doesn't matter. What's he doing whenever he comes in to time to peak? He's doing the exercises that elicit that peak for that individual. So there is, you know, even with Bonderchuk's style of programming, there's periodization, there's planning that goes into it. Uh, you know, let, let's look at some other stuff, a daily undulating periodization, right? Uh, whenever we get down to it, you're going from the lowest to the highest with uh, utilizing the same exercises. That it, um, that's a lot more up and down. But it's still got that same plan that and you know what, whenever you're going into the competition period and you know, honestly, I don't ever hear anybody talk about DUP with actual athletes in the uh, end season. You'll hear about flexible nonlinear periodization. But what is that? Oh, let's see. It's about getting the athlete to peak at the right time. But utilizing only what's available to that athlete on that given day. Right. So if your guys are blown up, let's say you just did. Man, I don't know. What, what's something extremely explosive and taxing in basketball for you I mean, guys at well, practice? Like, let's just say, oh, at practice? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it would just be like four on four full court, three on three full court. 
Yeah, so let's say that you just did that, and then you plan on doing a lot of power in the weight room probably that day, coming in yeah. afterwards. No, you're not going to do it. You're probably going to do something recovery, bodybuilding, try and stimulate some uh, growth hormone, testosterone in those athletes to have them back and ready to go for the next day, right? Uh, but let's say it was an easy practice, uh, or let's say you did the three-on-three three instead of for an hour and a half. Maybe they only did it for 10 minutes. Well, then that's an appropriate day to do power because they still have plenty of it left. You know, so it's that's flexible nonlinear periodization. Uh, you know, it, it's still a program. It's still a plan. They've got a plan. Hey, plan is to peak at this given day. But, hey, there's flexibility. You know, if you're in this sort of state today, it's kind of like with the – Chris talks about it and calls it fluid periodization. Uh you know, where it's you're just training what you can train that day, those windows of trainability that they talk about with Omega Wave. You know, that's the same th sort of thing. It's not that you don't have an overall plan that, you know, is it exercises, is it percentages, is it sets and reps? It's any of it, man. It's it's your own style. And that's the programming. So, you know, we talk about periodization. Uh, it, it, it gets confusing because people say periodization is dead. Well, you know, if periodization is dead, then you're doing the same thing all year round. You know, uh, we've got to look at periodization as just what it is. And it's that breaking the year up into these little tiny sections rather than these huge, huge chunk, uh, you know, not huge chunks. These this this set thing that you will do this on this day, this on this day, this on this day. Guys, that's bullshit, man. You know, you've got poetic license. You're a coach. You go out and you program that sets reps, intensities, exercises. That's the programming, man. That's not periodization, and we got to look at it right, man. No, 100%. And I think that it, you know, I mean, I was one of those people that thought that too for a while. And then uh, Brad showed up and punched me in the face, basically, um, this summer when he was talking about periodization and this and that. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, even if it isn't a quote planned change, when you're making alterations that are moving in a desired direction, that's what it is. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, if you've got planned changes, and those changes cause stimulations that are going to cause a greater adaptation, that's periodization, dude. You know, it's not just this uh, sets, reps, and whatever. It, it's any sort of change. And if you're planning it, and you're changing from general to specific, that's periodization. You know, and... Um, people might call it different things. And I think that's where we have our problem with this field is that we don't have these set names for things. There's no set. It's like, okay, this is called, this is called a bottle that's in my hand that if people are listening on podcasts, they're not going to get it. It's a plastic bottle. It's full of water. I hold it up. You know, that's a bottle. I hold this up. Regardless of what's in it, it's a coffee cup. We know that. This is a phone. If I say these things, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But for some reason, we want to take things and put our own little spins on whatever they are to prove that we're the smartest guy in the world. And I think that we need to start showing some humility and realize that there's the people that came before us were very, very brilliant as well. Yuri Verhoshansky. The guy is going to be speaking to us from the grave here very shortly. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm referring to the Shock Method book that's about to come out at, at any point from uh, Ultimate Athlete Concepts. Uh, it's a fantastic 
breed. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing, man. I was, whenever, uh, I don't know if he was, if it's true or not, but Natalia and Yosef said I was the first person besides them to read his words on this. I'll tell you, that was just an eerie kind of shocking feeling. I'm like, nobody has read Yuri's words. And I'm thinking about editing, the only thing that I could bring myself to do edit was, you know, part of me was like, oh, we need to throw in, you know, the dynamic or the uh, reactive strength index and a couple of these, these newer things. And I'm like, no, man, this is Yuri's freaking words. This is his work. Let's leave it as it is. Let's just clean up some of the translation. And, uh, you know, he's got it down. He was smart. He had it. Matveya, Bampa. Guys, if we go back to their works, if we don't read the tweets, we don't read these 140 character things that people are putting out, and we go to the actual original works, we see that there is brilliance in there. And if we go with their terminology, things start to make sense. The plan, the periodization of the plan is the periodization, and the program is how you fit things in to get there. Bampa says it quite clearly. In theories and methodologies of periodization, which unfortunately is out of print, uh, I don't know if the newest uh, periodization text uses those words or not. Uh, not the one with Greg Hoff, the one that, uh, that that's after him. I haven't read that one yet. I haven't either. Uh, yeah, so quite frankly. Uh, then we go back and we look at some other things. Man, you look at the, the stuff from um, – look at stuff from Berger. Berger. Look at the stuff from Hakkinen. Look at the stuff from um, – Anoka from Comey. Guys, if we go back and we look and we use the original works and then we get to the underlying principles, everything makes sense. You know, it's not about this. Uh, let's quit worrying about who's the smart, you know, how to make yourself look smart on social media. You know, we've got to just get back to the read the original stuff. Have you ever seen A Beautiful Mind? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, John Nash, he quit going to class because he wanted to have this creative and original thought. But that was in John Nash's PhD program. That wasn't John Nash's bachelor's, his master's, his high school. So he had all of these foundational things that he had to draw from that he could go on and build upon with his original thought. But he had all of the framework in place to go create something fantastic, which was game theory, which changed the way that we look at the world. So many people want to do that, but they want to do it from jump. What do I mean from jump? I mean, dude, from I'm a start. GA. Yeah, from the start. I want to do this as a GA. I'm just going to come up with the greatest thing that's ever been and – Dude, they haven't read anything from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even 2000s. If it hasn't been out in the last three years, they don't know about it. And they're missing out on all these foundational things. Uh, if we go back to the original materials, right? And people talk about how general adaptation syndrome is not, uh, is not a real thing. Well, you know what? It, it is a real thing. But we have to realize that there's at least nine systems of the body that are adapting and working on any given time, right? That we've got to just pay attention to this and realize that each system has a different curve in which that it's going to adapt to. So, yeah, you know what? You're right that it doesn't work for all nine systems to come back and work on this one given day. We have to just realize and take that into account that sometimes you're going to have more in the tank in one system than another. You know, versus just uh, rocking and rolling through everything. Because, oh, if I do this this day, then I can do this this day. 
No, it doesn't work that way. And, you know, there's uh, another paper that's come out from John Kiley uh, that I'll go ahead and, and talk about briefly that a lot of people have had a lot of problems with. And um, I don't really understand. Uh, and, and it could be. I'm a little different because I've, I've been I was a practitioner for 18 years before becoming, you know, before leaving. I'm not even leaving left the profession. I'm not coaching anybody, but I'm still over there doing a lot of sports science stuff with the, the different teams here. Uh, but all John Kiley was saying in his paper talking about that we need to pay attention to other things. He wasn't saying don't periodize, don't have a basic plan, but realize that. Other thing, well, he did say some stuff like, you know, maybe it's just the change of stimulus rather than a, a percentage of one RM. Whenever we change exercises, we co we elicit an adaptation. Well, yeah, that that's a no kidding. That's general adaptation syndrome right there, right? So we introduce a new stimulus. There's an alarm phase. We have an adaptation, right? Yeah, that's there. You go. And John's, you know, just kind of going in showing that 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 works. Uh, but one of the other things that he was saying in the paper was other things affect adaptation. And we've shown that the effects of academic stress on illness and injuries in Division One athletics. Stress matters. It does. It affects the, the adaptation curve. Uh, we've just got to look and uh, step back and, and look at these things and, and start at the beginning. It's not starting where we are. It's not starting in 2018. We need to look back at the stuff from Alvin Roy, Al Miller, Johnny Parker, these guys that have been around the block forever who did this for decades, who did this for since before you were even, you and I were even born, and see what did they do and what worked and what didn't. And I'll tell you something, that these guys, these pioneers, they weren't just Joe Blow. They're yeah. pioneers for a reason, because they made something happen because they were smart. You know, Alfred Meal, did you ever hear the story? Have you seen Alfred Meal speak? Once. They tell the story about whenever he was hired, they didn't have much of an equipment budget, but they would send him to anywhere he wanted to go to learn, or they would bring anybody in that he wanted to learn from. Mm. And he spent something like $200,000 in travel, bringing people in and going places. You know, the Car Carmelo Boscos of the world. And if, guys, if you don't know who Carmelo Bosco is, take your right hand, take it 12 inches from your face and slap yourself. <laughs> Just slap yourself. Go read Carmelo Bosco. Uh, he went and he learned from all these people. And then they learned and they what they started doing was kind of like Bonderchuk. It's like, hey, did this work? Did it not? Okay. Uh, he'll talk about in every talk that I've ever seen him done, he talks about the foot quickness. People talk about foot quickness. Well, he learned that you can't train foot quickness. Whatever you do, it doesn't cause it to improve. They tested it with the muscle lab stuff. They tested it with Bosco's equipment. So they did a rigorous scientific testing with the Chicago Bulls. Let me tell you something. If it doesn't improve athleticism, he, I'm sorry, if it would have improved athleticism, he would have been doing it. It's the Chicago freaking Bulls. You know, the, and this is back in the 90s, whenever they were the dominant team. Uh, he would have done it. He would have continued to do it, and he would have said, yeah, you can improve it. But what did he find? With any of their players, none of their players that didn't improve. So that should tell you something. You know, if you're doing the speed ladder for foot quickness, that ain't a part of it. But we're supposed to be talking about programming periodization. I got off on this long side tangent that 
Jay, just keep rolling me back in on the the uh, thing that we're supposed to be on, brother. This no, I, I love it, man. I can you, sleep. Yeah, what you've done is you've gone through and you, you've kind of gone full circle, though. And then it's it's a matter now of coming back and understanding that, you know, the things that we're doing are still going to have a direction and still are going to be goal oriented. How you do it is another debate or topic, or how you program it is another never-ending clusterfuck. Yeah, and it really is. And honestly, with there, there's never even going to be an answer because it's going to matter on your players for their given training age, what they've done before, what they're going to do after, what they're required to do, what your logistics are. Like, dude, if you've got eight foot, let's say you like Olympic lifts, you've got eight foot ceilings with six foot eight dudes. How are you going to do a snatch, right? If snatch is your thing. Uh, you know, so everything matters, man. It, the, the logistics, everything goes into it. And we've got to realize what we're debating about programming or periodization P- saying periodization is dead. Uh, that's, that's a flaw. You know, it, it, to me, it's flawed. It's flawed. And it, it may show that, uh, uh, you know what, it, to me, it actually shows with most of the people that I know that have said this, that it, it just shows, a. um, a misunderstanding, you know, that they think periodization is only Matveyev's model, right? And Matveyev's model just simply said that you go from low intensity to high intensity and you try and peak at a certain point, which, eh, you know, if we take that towards other things, towards other uh, fields other than, I'll, I'll just say it like this. To me, Matveyev's model still holds weight. I agree. Uh, and it's yeah, it still holds weight. People say Matt Vev's model is stupid because there's no singular peak throughout the year. You know, but there is a conference tournament. You know, there is some part of the season whenever you've got to be performing your best. It might not be a single day, but you know, what uh are you gonna be the most polished in a, in uh the first game? No. Should you be training to move towards things in more specificity at that point? Yes. Should it be at your most specific part of the year? Probably not, because you've got a long time to go. And, uh, you know, the SBP, that's going to create different issues with the joints, the joint mobilities, the uh, wearing and tearing on the body in different different manners. So if you go too hard, too fast, dude, that's like freaking starting out going 95 whenever you're trying to go to uh, if I was trying to drive to Richmond, Virginia. Well, if I'm starting to try and drive 95 here in Columbia, Missouri, I'm going to get my ass pulled over and I'm not going to make the trip. But if I do it at the appropriate time on a stretch of highway there in Indiana where I've never seen a uh, – uh, whenever you're going by Terre Haute and you're just you know, trying, trying to make it to Indianapolis, uh, I'm dropping the hammer going 95. I don't see a cop anywhere. That's the appropriate time. Whenever you get by there. It's <laughs> <laughs> and you know whenever I get by there because I take a picture of it and send it to you every time. I know you do. Uh, but uh, there's a place and a time for everything. And we've we just got to stop and think. And if we look at things as they they should be, where periodization is just the process of breaking things into periods over the course of the year, having it, you know, two to three to four, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. is it, you know, off season and in uh, GPP and SPP, off season, preseason, in season, postseason, you know, that that's four instead of two. You know, you can break it up into whatever sort of periods that you want. What we have to realize, though, is that 
if you are making planned changes, you're periodizing. There's tons of different, like we talked about, the, the programming model, uh, periodization models, which really probably ought to be called programming models. You know, so it's block programming, uh, linear programming, flexible nonlinear programming, uh, autoregulatory programming, the APRE, the VBT, all that stuff would fit into a type of programming. And I've, you know, I've been out at your place and I've been talking about it. That when I talk about with VBT and APRE, this is how where it fits into your annual plan. Guess what annual plan means? Periodization. You know, it, it just they, they all fit in together. Um, the reverse periodization. We should be reverse programming. So instead of going power at the at the end, you're doing power at the beginning, which is most appropriate for endurance sports. Uh, the daily undulating programming. You know, you're going through different set and rep schemes for a certain trait, right? Maybe it, I've never heard that doorbell go off. Uh, you know, maybe it, it's uh, four sets of twelve on one day, and it, it's uh, eight sets of six on another. Both of them are in that hypertrophy rep range, right? And that would be daily, daily undulating. You know, all of these different things are different programming methods for how we get to our main goal. And that, you know, that's where I, I just want to say that, um, you know, it, it, and it, I kind of come back around to the jump training and, and thinking about the same thing with the the uh, the the Tyson and the grandma, right? You know, it's calling a pogo hop a plyometric. You know, that's Mike Tyson versus your grandma. You know, you're, you're completely different results and outcomes, you know, versus def jump, which would be the true plyometric. Uh, so, you know, we just got to I guess really my thing isn't so much just the programming versus periodization debate as it is that we've got to have common terminology and shoot. That's been an issue for the past several years. I mean, Bill Kramer and several other people wrote a big paper about that about, what, three years ago? Mm -hmm. uh, whenever they're saying, okay, this is what force is. This is what power is. And because people are trying to uh, – this is velocity. This is acceleration. You know, we've got to make sure that we have that that same vernacular. Uh, otherwise, I think that we end up having and, – and some of it, quite honestly, is uh, – I think is, is the issues from um, – social media where we've got such few, how do I want to say it? You can't say, if you can talk about your entire philosophy and it's not 140 characters on Twitter anymore, how many is it? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is, yeah. But if you can tweet yeah. it, it's probably not a good thing. About, yeah, yeah. If you can tweet your entire philosophy, it's not a good thing. Your entire programming, your entire uh, principles, you know, uh, whatever anybody chooses to use on that, you know, is it principles? Is it uh, uh, philosophy? Man, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? You know, um, let, let's just make, if you, either way, if you can get it out in 140 characters or 200 characters, you, you need to read more and you need to study more. And um, I think that we need to work on reading, studying, using the common vernacular instead of going out and trying to beat our chest and say, I'm the only one who has the right answer here. And you know, this one, some of the people who are saying that they're the only one that has the right answer, uh, their answer may not be, their answer is flawed because they show an incorrect understanding, but they think they're the only person who's been doing it that way. And Anatoly Bondarchuk won a lot of medals doing it his way. That's not too dissimilar. 
there's a lot of lacks of similarity in the fact that this person doesn't, uh, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, you know, and they've never trained an athlete. So, but, uh, they do show some, some forward thinking, but they also show that they have no idea what the differences are between the, the verbiage. And to me, that's a travesty. Um, so if we could all just get on the same page, you know, can't we all just get along and, uh, just go from there, you know, and, and get on the same page with the words. If we can do that, I think that a lot of the arguments, uh, a lot of the discussions, you know, I, I, and some of the works that I see from people talking about periodization is dead. It's like, hmm, well, this looks like a lot like you're making, doing these exercises now, uh, and then you're changing to more specific exercises later. Okay. Uh, or, you know, you're working at strength early on and power later in the week. That seems like that's planned. That, you know, it just, let's just get away from 140 characters as our, our conversation medium. Let's pick up a phone. Let's call somebody. Let's go visit them. Let's realize, let's use social media for what it's intended for, and that's to make connections uh, and, and have deeper conversations rather than just sit there and, and um, argue over who's the most right in 140 characters. If we sat down and had true conversations, we would see that we're not that far away. And, you know, people uh, finishing up along those lines, uh, people talk about Dan Baker versus my way of doing velocity-based training. Okay, and I'll just go ahead and say this: Dan and I talked about this in in uh, in Vegas. Uh, well, we they, it was in Vegas, but we spent a lot of time hanging out in Australia. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I was there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we get uh, we didn't get to talk too much because uh, he was being pulled into meetings, I was being pulled into meetings, and the one time whenever we were hanging out, we were both drinking, and I was trying to go st- drink for drink with Dan Baker, and guys, that's a bad bad idea. Uh, but uh, we were we were talking while we were in Australia, and whenever you get down to things, he and I are saying mostly the same thing. You know, strength, speed, and speed, strength. Those are the two sides of the power coin, and where do they meet up? One meter per second. Yes, Dan. On squats, where do his guys hit peak power? One meter per second. You know, uh, the way he does things on an individual basis, because of the way that he programmed. Dude, I have 100 athletes on the floor at any one time in the afternoons. You know, with track, soccer, you know, it's a different sports like that. I'm not going to individualize that shit. We're going to look at it. You, you can't. So, the you know, uh, it, whenever... If you look at things from a tweet, Dan Baker and Brian Mann are two you know, people saying completely opposite things. But if you look at what we actually say and whenever we sat down and have conversations, we're saying the same things. Squats, deadlifts, one meter per second. Uh, a lot of people think that I'm saying that those zones are that you should be doing cleans at 0.35 meters per second for strength. Well, no, read the book. Right. I'm saying, you know, I, that that's definitely not anything near what I say. Read one of my articles, anything like that. Uh, just don't read the tweet and go from there um, and think that applies for everything. But uh, Dan and I, we're great friends and we agree on far more than we disagree on. I do it from a management standpoint. He does it from individualization. He had a few people on the floor at one time. I had a bunch. And that's where our, our viewpoints are different. So, you know, if by a tweet, we're completely different. But if you look at the actual paradigms, we're more similar than we are different. 
And I think that whenever we get down, we have conversations versus tweets. Um, you know, speaking of which, the less I'm on social media, the more happy I've noticed that I, I am overall. So uh, I don't know if that's a, a real thing or not. But uh, tying back around to the programming appearization, let's make sure that we're reading books. We're not reading tweets. We are listening to interviews uh, with some of the people who have, have done that or reading interviews with some of the, the pioneers, you know, the Boscos, the, the Kramers, the Zatsiorskis, the Vroshanskis, the uh, Selyanovs. You know, we're not reading the people that ripped off their work. We're going to, back towards the original. Uh, well, I guess with Selyanov, that book is so uh, hard to read. Uh, yeah. yeah I don't, was it ever actually published? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, not in English. There's some stuff yeah. out there in English, um, but I don't know how much of it was published in English. Right, yeah. I've seen, read something in English that was roughly translated. It's kind of like uh, Anatoly's uh, colored cover books on periodization. You know, it, it's, it was translated, uh, but there was no context provided to the translation. Uh, but back to the point, I mean, there are so many people that have already done all of these things. And if we would look and we would read them first, we would have the footprint and the trail to go. And then we're just finding little different branches of the main trails and going in the right direction. You know, I, I, yeah, Bob Alejo is famous for saying, you tell me what it is and I'll tell you what we used to call it. We're going in circles. Mm -hmm. We are going in circles. We are not blazing new paths. We are going in circles. How do we blaze a path? Or instead of going in circles, you read what's come before. You drink deeply of the good books. You read the original text. And then that way you know what they did, what they found, how it worked. And maybe, just maybe, then we can see where we need to put the variation onto things. From our changing programming styles. Because I don't think we're ever going to not have periodization. I think to me that would just be um, asinine. But that just could just be my opinion. No, that, I couldn't you know, agree more. We've got to have an overarching plan. We can't just have, uh, let's throw shit up against the wall today and let's see what, what card actually stuck to the Velcro and, uh, and what didn't. And those are the ones we're doing, everything else we're going on. So... No doubt, brother. And that's awesome. Just because it's something that we've all talked about. Like, there's, and this goes back to like when you talk to like smarter people, like the people look up to, you know, like those are the same things that House was saying. Those are the same things yeah. Dave was saying. Those are the same things that, you know, we've talked about. And when you, when you look at like, when you look at the stuff that they did, like if people think that these other people that you know were the trailblazers didn't think of those issues that you think don't arise, I mean, come on, man. Like, yeah, like there's a reason Berkashansky says you go in this direction. There's a reason things are written to go in that way. Like, and until you get to the point where the people you're with have mastered and utilized everything that the people that have come before us do. Why do we need to come up with some crazy new thing anyway? Yeah, man. Yeah, if we just, if we would read the stuff, and, and that's why people put stuff into writing, so that somebody can have something to go off of, a blueprint to go for the next generation and take it further. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the taking it further isn't really, it, it's happening in some some areas. 
It is. Some people are doing some things that are amazing. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I'm not trying to say that at all. But the majority of things that are coming out that somebody uh, I still remember uh, this kid who was trying to uh, come up with a, a way how to get power from a vertical jump. I still go back to this. That happened like six years ago at a conference. And he's talking about how he's figuring it out and blah, 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 and doing this, that, and the other. And uh, I just pull up this. I just go down on my phone, search uh, Harmon equation, Sarah's equation, and uh, I pull them up. And I go, hey, here's two things that you could use right now that you don't have to figure anything out with. And it's been researched and it's been published. And there's, you know, we got to do it, man. We got to read. We got to know. We got to use this blueprint. And we got to. We got to quit doing just it's like the person who thinks chains are new. The person, you know, the person who thinks that putting a band on a barbell is a, a new concept. You know, it, it, it's uh, it all runs in cycles. I remember that Olympic lifting It's the whenever you and I started out, whenever you went under Kip, I don't know where you were before. But we were like ahead of the curve because we had some Olympic lifting and we had some powerlifting in there. We had some Westside Barbell and stuff like that from Fred Roll. And you go back and you look at Fred Roll's program. I mean, that shit was solid, man. Now, he might have – he didn't do a whole lot on the special exercises, but he did do things like he went from squats during the, the uh, offseason to more lunging and step-up stuff towards the preseason and season because he was going in specificity you know, and things like that that Fred was doing. Um he was a, and that was, dude, that was 80s and 90s when he was doing that stuff mm-hmm. at KU. You know, uh, and, uh, you know, Derek Hansen's got this micro dosing that I think a lot of people have, uh, are, are bastardizing and trying to make into their own because it's the, the new thing. And, and Bob Alejo was putting a tweet out at that, about that earlier today. And um, I responded before I thought, what is he actually meaning with, uh, uh, and, but you look at that microdosing. Well, that's uh, Charlie Francis's vertical integration. And oh, guess what? Who did Derek work for? Charlie Francis. Uh, and if you listen to his mic, what he's talking about with microdosing, he's just talking about having a little bit of it every day, rather than uh, with the high speed and power stuff, rather than just putting it out there and trying to do massive amounts on one one time. You know that that's it. Uh, but shit, Jay, you know I could go on and on on this. So I think we're at like 40 minutes of me just rambling. No, and around. I love it though, bro. This is fantastic. And I think that a lot of this needs to get out there and a lot of people need to hear some of this stuff and it needs to be, it's stuff that needed to be said. And I, I, the thing that I think is best about it is, again, it, it's the whole idea that, you know, uh, like like Bobby said, man, like these things have names. Keep it that way. Stop screwing with it because all you're doing is, is borrowing trouble and picking fights and, and causing drama that doesn't need to be there. You know, uh, Hal said something that, uh, that, that resonated with me. And, I, and for those that don't know, I interned for Joe Ken uh, way back in 03. Uh, whenever he was at national, uh, God, what was that that we were just at? Was that national? It w- no, that was coaches conference. That was in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he said something up there that if you're, if you're wanting to be famous and you're wanting to make a big splash, you're going to come and you're going to go very quickly. If your job is to make an impact and that's the way that you're on the field and that's the way that you go about things, uh, you're, you're going to be set. That's the way that I've always looked at it, man. My job is to make an impact. I don't want to, I don't care about these other things. I don't care about 
being who's the most right, all this other stuff. And if people would approach it that way, that their goal is to make an impact and not to get attention, then we're going to start seeing major change. But if everybody just wants attention on social media. It ain't going to work, brother. It ain't going to work. Yeah, you'll get your five minutes of fame. You'll get 15,000, whatever it's called, views or interactions. And then you're gone. You're done. Why don't you look to make an impact rather than just get attention? No doubt. Doc, as always, man, appreciate it. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. We'll be in touch soon, homie. Sounds good. Hope all's, uh, Hope that knee uh, eases up. Yeah, man. Hope you're up moving around again soon, too. Yeah. Later. Later. And a huge thanks to Dr. Mann for spending the time with us again today. I mean, guys, let's be honest. This is things that we've been talking about for a while here. You know, getting on the same page with terminology is going to end a lot of this, you know, fake confusion that we have when it comes to what's going on in training, you know. And I can't thank Dr. Mann enough for spending the time with us today and, you know, pointing at some of these things and, and you know, pointing at himself with a couple of them as well in, in order to help us start to get on the same page and understand where we're going a little better. And as always, guys, if you enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Again, guys, if somebody you know could take something from the talk, tag them below the post. DM them the, the talk. Tag them on it on Twitter, whatever it may be. We are just trying to get the best information out there possible to all the great coaches out there. And as always, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.